the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Pastor John Allworth. behaviors and addictions are rampant in our society. People are in bondage to alcohol, drugs, pornography, codependent relationships, and more. If you or a loved one is stuck in the cycle of shame, guilt, and continued destructive behavior, keep listening. Recovery Radio Houston with Pastor John Allworth and Tony B. starts now. They'll take your calls and share how the healing power of a personal relationship with Christ saved them and can do the same for you or your loved ones. God wants you to walk into the light. Recovery Radio Houston is live. Good evening, Southeast Texas. You know, I love that line, Tony, where God wants you to walk into the light. And yes, he does. Uh, This is Pastor John Allworth coming to you from Recovery Radio Houston. And I'm here with my co-host, Tony B. Tony, how are you tonight? Good evening. Well, you know, it's Mother's Day, Tony, tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's a special day. So we want to... We want to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day, and uh, we hope that you're going to be able to spend it with your family, given everything that's going on in our society. In fact, let's go to prayer, Tony. Yes. Father God, we come to you tonight, and we just, uh, we ask for your anointing tonight. We ask for, that these words that we speak, that they be from you and not from us, Father. We ask for your wisdom, and that uh, the words that we speak help people out there, because that's, that's what we're trying to do, Father. We're trying to be obedient, and we're trying to help people. Father, we pray for our nation. Father, we pray for the leaders of our city, our county, our state, and our and our nation, and indeed all the world. Father, give them godly wisdom how to deal with this situation. Father, we pray for healing in our country. We pray for healing for those that have been sick from the COVID-19 virus and for other maladies too, because people are still suffering under their disease processes, including addiction, Father. And we pray for freedom from those people. We pray for freedom, and uh, we pray that they come out of the darkness and into the light, Father. And anybody that's ill out there, we pray for your healing and comfort. And, you know, put your trust in the Lord. He is the great physician, and no, nothing is impossible for him, Father. And we just ask uh, that, that this show reach out into the hearts and minds of those who are struggling and to their family members, and uh, that, that you give them some comfort, Father. Uh, we pray all these things in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, this show, Tony, is to offer a message of hope and encouragement. And, um, you know, we want people out there to know that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, God has a purpose in your life. He loves you. He has forgiven you. And if you'll turn your eyes to him, he will take you places you've never dreamed of. He will do magnificent things in your life. And, and we just, we just want to offer that most message of hope and encouragement. Tony, uh, 
we're going to be talking tonight about collateral damage. Collateral. Yeah, and you know, there are estimates anywhere from 30 to 40 million people that suffer from addiction currently in this country. I think those estimates are low. Yeah, um, I would think so. Yeah, that's that's alcohol and drugs, but people can be addicted and under bondage from the enemy can have us under bondage from all kinds of things. So, but what we don't talk about a lot is what we call sometimes in in recovery is collateral damage, and that is what it does to the family members and friends, coworkers, loved ones, uh, people that are impacted by uh, somebody that's in addiction, and those people suffer. Other people on the road. Yeah. Accidents. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, the our nation, the productivity of our nation. But, you know, uh, I, I read something today. I was doing some research, and it, the one of the things I read said that 100 million people currently are suffering under collateral da- uh, damage. And, again, I think that's light because I think that everybody in our country knows somebody who's suffering from addiction. And, you know, it's a good topic for uh, the times we're in with the uh, rampant unemployment yeah. And the businesses going under, there are people, undoubtedly, that are bringing a little more stress home. Absolutely. People cooped up together for a lot more time than they're used to. Um, I had a hard time believing it, but when you really think about it, they said child abuse cases have gone up. Yeah. Um, uh, people suffering more in their addictions, whether it's alcoholism or drugs. And, you know, the, when life just gets put on hold, what do you do with all the time? If you're an alcoholic or an addict and you're not uh, deeply based in a, especially in a Christ center of recovery, what do, what do you do as a regular person if you, if you don't have Jesus in your life and you're faced with all this uncertainty? Absolutely. Anxiety and worry and depression. It's, well, that's why they say relapse rates are through the roof. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, not only are the, are the relapse rates through the roof, uh, but the people that are at home with them are watching this relapse and are suffering along with them, too. The, kid, the kids home from school? Yeah, the child, the ch- children suffer greatly, and, and in fact, um, you know, my sister and I were one of those kids because I grew up in the, in the house of an alcoholic, and it was a bad situation. But l- let me read a uh, something that I read today, which is, um, I, th- I think, really kind of summarizes a lot of things about addiction. It says, another area of collateral damage from addiction is chaos, which is the opposite of peace. And you know, Tony, we 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 want to lead somebody, people to somebody that can give them peace beyond understanding, and that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The resulting anxiety is a byproduct of addiction. The addict anxiously plots out the next encounter with addiction, fearful and unsure of its ultimate effectiveness. The addict lives a life of uncertainty, which becomes subtly and over overtly communicated to others. You know, chaos. That's a that's a concept that, that that certainly I experienced as a child growing up in the house of an alcoholic, and I also experienced it when I became an addict. Mm-hmm. And and there's no better word, I think, to describe. If you had to pick one word to describe addiction, there's plenty. Selfishness supplies, you know, uh, mm-hmm. pride. There's all kinds of words we could ascribe to it. But if you had one word, at least my experience, chaos would be that word. Yep. I mean, I, if anything, I was addicted to chaos. Yeah, you know, there's some truth to that. Because, yeah. because the chaos that I created got me what I wanted. Yeah, yes, it did, didn't it? You know, yeah, because all you really cared about, and I'm not just picking on you, yeah. but all you really cared about was was getting that next rush, getting that next uh, that next high, that next, you know, that's all you care about is is fixing it, and and that's to a child particularly that's devastating because you yeah. know a child wants to be the center of their parents' attention. 
So, yeah. and, and, and in a relationship, that can be devastating, too. Because, Absolutely. I mean, look it, at both of our marriages, where they went before the, where they had to, where they, where they went to before they had to get where they are now. And, was, only, and, and only Jesus Christ could have brought them back to where they are yeah. right now. I, I, I believe that with all my heart. You know, and, and on this program, Tony, we, we support secular recovery. We support recovery, rehab. We support 12 steps, AA, all of it. It's good. It's beneficial. If it helps people, we're for it. But when you really cross that bridge to a supercharged recovery is when you get Christ in your life. Exactly. Yeah. So um, let me read something else. And then we've got a guest that we're going to that's going to talk about her experiences with collateral damage. But here's something I thought that was also profound. Loneliness, fear and anger are all collateral damages I have witnessed from addiction. I've also seen the collateral damage of worthlessness, especially when the addiction affects the parent child relationship. You know, that's, that's, uh, you know, that can be cause a lot of shame and guilt to people out there that are listening that are under the bondage of addiction, but there is hope. There's a way to fix it. There really is. And that's to come to Christ and you can do it and he can save you no matter where you're at. So let's, let's welcome our guest tonight. Uh, we're going to welcome Susan Simon. Susan, how are you tonight? Susan. Well, hi, Tony. Hi, John. I'm doing great. And thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, we're so pleased to have you. You know, we've got a, a special guest tonight because she's a member of the KKHT family. And she, I am. And she is our account representative, sort of our mentor on the show. and has got She's our boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boss. Watch, be careful what questions you ask, Uh-oh. Tony. <laughs> yeah, so. and, you know, before we go any further, let's remember, uh, let's remind everybody watching on Facebook Live, you're not going to hear Suzanne's lovely voice unless... You download the KKHT 100.7 The Word app and listen simultaneously or put your radio on, iHeartRadio, find the station. Somehow you'll have to be, have the radio on to be able to hear the caller. So thank yeah, you. Again, you can and do- the other thing you can do is you can go to KKHT.com and you right, can the get the live button. Yeah. yeah, the live button, That's which is what I'm doing. In fact, I'm watching you on Facebook and I'm sitting in my den talking to you. Okay, great. Well, that is wonderful. So three ways, folks. You can go to 100.7 on your radio dial. You can go to uh, com and listen live, or you can uh, download the app, any of those three ways. so This shouldn't be too hard for people to figure out these days because everybody's doing Zoom and whatever other group things, uh, Internet things they're doing. So y'all can figure it out. All right, Susan. Well, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. Uh, you know, I, okay. I, I know, uh, but uh, what, what do you do for a living, first of all? And, and tell us a little bit about well, your faith. All right. So I work for KKHT. I've worked for KKHT for about 15 years. And when I came to the radio station, I was a baby Christian. I had been saved for about a year. I was raised in the Jewish faith, and I was raised in a very secular household. We were... Uh, very non-religious in my house, um, so we didn't go to temple. And all throughout my childhood, I my parents would let me go to church with my friends. I thought it was fun. So the seeds were planted pretty early for me. Amen. But, uh, yeah, it was really neat. And then um, I was driving to Austin with my, with my husband, Derek. We weren't married at the time, but we were talking about if we were going to raise kids, how would we raise them? And being raised Jewish and being really raised with no upbringing at all in the church or even in the temple, I said, well, you know, we could probably let the kids, you know, pick for themselves once they got old enough. And he said, ah, okay, I'm going to tell you why I disagree with that. I've got a Bible in the back seat. And so he basically witnessed to me the entire trip to Austin. Hallelujah. Yeah, and he did it 
so well and it was so interesting that I said about three days later, well, I think I want to go to church. And so that's what started it. And so not too long after that, when they did the altar call, I walked. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that really that's is. pretty cool. And so you yeah, were saved. You know, Jesus Christ is available to everybody out there tonight. Today is the day of salvation. Yeah. He is right available now. to you tonight. And if you're listening in and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, we urge you to, to go to somebody that knows Christ, that can witness to you, like Susan just explained, or you call this show. You can call 1-800-808-5548. That's 1-800-808-5548. You know, Tony, we, we actually... Uh, Walk somebody through the sinner's prayer and save somebody on air one night. And that, that was, was really cool. So awesome! <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah, I won't either. That that right there made the yeah. show worth yeah. it. You know, so and we but, always said if one person came to Christ, we'd have, uh, we'd accomplished our goal. And what was it? The second night? It was. It was a yeah. second show. That's 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 awesome. So that's a wonderful story. So you accept- and you know what? Go ahead. Everybody can listen to that on the podcast. I'm sorry, I get excited when I hear it because that was. Yeah. It's such a cool thing. It really was. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we have to push those podcasts a little more because people that may just uh, tune in by chance or watch mm-hmm. on Facebook Live, you can always go back to those podcasts and they're kind of piling up. What do we got? Almost 20 episodes on there now? Um, I don't think it's quite that many, but it's a lot, Tony. Yeah. 11, 12, you can let me think it is, though, lot. can't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you, all we're doing so is, you, I know it's more than 10. All we're doing is being obedient and, and, and trying to bring the message of salvation and, and hope and to uh, Jesus yeah. Christ to people out there. So now I know because you and I have visited and we're friends, but mm-hmm. uh, you have had a brush with uh, with some addiction history. Oh, I've definitely had a brush with addiction history, and and part of the thrill for me being on the show is that, you know, I'll give some behind-the-scenes on what happens. When we meet people like um, John and Tony and we start talking about these shows, a lot of times things resonate with us personally. And this one really resonated with me more than anything because I have been married. I'm married now to my husband, Derek, but I was married to somebody else who I won't name, but um, I was a different person, and he was highly, highly addicted. He was addicted to pot. He was addicted to cocaine and mixed drinks, and his... um, um, his level of denial and chaos, as you put it, was just awful. I mean, it was just horrible to live with. And I think the worst part is that it always put me in the role of being the parent in the relationship. Wow. And if I wasn't the parent, then I was the person who wasn't any fun. Mm. Well, you know, you said several things there I want to, I mm. want to break down. So, okay. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, I, I looked at the, some statistics before the show and, and on the, on collateral damage, especially and and, uh, alcohol, we tend to underwrite the impact of alcohol because it's legal and, and because so many people do it and some do it responsibly, but alcohol was the number one, uh, type of harm that was listed in a national survey that people had suffered collateral damage from. So you mm-hmm. mentioned marijuana, cocaine, and, and mixed drinks. Uh, uh-huh. Did you did you realize that that uh, your husband to be was an addict before you married him? No, and I'll tell you why. We were young, and we were like other young people. We went out. Sometimes we had a couple too many. We did a little bit of partying, as young people do, but as everybody was falling off the party train, so to speak, my husband was not. He was still going strong, and I was in the radio business. He was in the music business, and he could justify doing all the late nights and and the drinking and the 
whatever he was doing. And it occurred to me as we were going along, as it was getting more and more difficult, I started working in my career. I had to get up at a certain time. He's up partying all night. I'm tired because he's up. And then we're arguing because he doesn't want to go to sleep and he doesn't understand. And why don't you just shut the door? But if somebody is drinking in the other room and they're playing loud music and they're screaming and yelling with their friends, if you try to go to work and you're trying to go to sleep, you're not falling asleep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I see we have some new people that have joined us on Facebook Live. And let me remind everybody that that you've got to go to kkht.com, kkht.com, and uh, punch the Listen Live button. And then you can hear the caller that we're interviewing, Susan Simon. We're talking about collateral damage here. And that's the damage that people who love and are friends and work with, people that are addicted, that they suffer so you can go to kkht.com and, and hit the listen live, or you can listen on 100.7, or you can download the app. So, you know, at, you know if I can step in here real quick, something that uh-huh. stood out to me when Susan was just talking, describing, it sounds to me very sim- similar to my story and other stories I've heard. Uh-huh. And, and knowing what I know now, what, what, what I see is that when we fall in love when we're young, we're, we have a different set of ideas than five years down uh-huh. the road when we're starting to mature and get more responsible. And yeah. when one of us being, you know, the, the sober person, even though they may be partaking in the activities or not, they're not addicted, they start seeing where things have to change and they move in that direction. And then uh-huh. the addict or the alcoholic says, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. Why are you getting all changed on me? Because I had the same thing happen in my marriage mm-hmm. where I, I said often, my wife left me for Jesus <laughs> because all of a sudden where oh, my, wow. where my little party girl go, she all of a sudden wanted to go straight on me. And so yeah. that is uh, again, the, uh, even more of a divide, which provides uh, uh, an opportunity for more damage to sit in on the other person. We don't see it as the addict or the alcoholic, right? but the exactly. other person, the other person may be growing and we're not. And that, that just exactly. sticks more of a two by four between you. And then what we haven't covered is the worry. I mean, when you see yes. somebody, yeah. you know, especially when you're not doing that and you're going to work and you're getting your eight or your nine hours sleep a night mm-hmm. and they're not and they look terrible and and they're in a horrible mood and, and they don't feel physically well and you start realizing, oh, my gosh, they're getting in a car, they're driving. My ex used to, to get up in the morning, smoke, drive to work smoking, not cigarettes, pot, and would do it at lunch, would drive home, and then in the evening would smoke pot and drink all night. Wow. So did I you, mean, did at some, at some point, um, what happened? Did you confront him? Oh, I confronted him many, 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 many times. And you guys will probably recognize this. You know, when you do that to somebody, when they're not ready to make that change and they're in total denial, then you're the one they'll tell you you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Leave me uh, alone. What else I hear? Yeah, <laughs> leave me alone. This is my life. You know, why are, yeah, why are you being this way? Uh, it's yeah, it gets it gets really really bad. So you know it's interesting because you're in that position where you get really mad at the person, but you're really scared for them at the same time. Mm. Boy, and, that's a whipsaw. Well, <laughs> and, and that, yeah, the anger and the worry and the fear and that that is such a burden. On the uh-huh. spouse. And I'll tell you something really quick that shows that in a nutshell is when I first came home, my wife and I were laying in bed and she all of a sudden said, don't say anything. Just listen. Do you hear that? And there was absolute silence. 
And I'm like, I don't hear anything. She goes, well, that's what I heard for 15 years while you were out doing what you were doing. Imagine being here. Imagine being here and not being able to sleep, wondering where somebody is. And uh, that was a real eye opener for me. Yeah. I didn't realize till that moment exactly what I had done. You know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. That, that, yeah. That, so you said three words that I thought were that I picked up on that are that are so abundant in the uh, addiction world: denial, excuses, and justification. Yep. So, so uh, how did that, how did that go? How did that make you feel when you got those? of feelings there's part of you that just feels really stupid that you've been duped into this thing and then you're stuck with the person and of course if you're married you are legally bound to them you have bills together Um, we didn't have kids i can't have kids that's another story but we had other obligations we had family we had people that knew us Uh, we had a mortgage Um, And suddenly you realize you're bound to this person, and to unravel it not only means a complete disruption in your life, but a complete legal disruption in your life as well. And then there's the embarrassment of your friends that see them in that state, and they they know, and they're whispering, and, oh, you just feel a fool. I mean, you feel like, gosh, what was wrong with me? But I realize now I wasn't saved at the time, so I didn't know what to do. We went to marriage counseling, and it helped. It was secular marriage counseling, but she basically told me in the first session, yeah, you just leave them. That was the advice. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. That's real helpful. Yeah, just leave like, them. That'll be twelve fifty. Yeah, I'm glad I paid you for that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, Sean, if, I, if I'd come to see you, if I'd been going to church at the time, you probably wouldn't have given me that as the first advice. No, and that's, never. A, that's, a, that's a shocker, too. And then there's the other side of it, the friends that are still doing a little bit more partying than you're doing, and they're on the outside looking in, and they just think you have turned into this really rigid strict, mean old wife. So you're the square that's not doing it. I want to tell everybody out there, if you've got questions for Susan or for us about this topic, because I know there's people that are listening out there that have been subject to collateral damage, call Mm. us at 1-800-808-5548. We can uh, put Susan on hold, take your questions. We're here. Tony and I are here to answer your questions. Uh, You can tell us. I think she can stay on the phone while we talk. Yeah, you can. I think it would be a well, well, we'd have to put her on hold and then put another person on if they called in with a question. But in any event, we can take your questions. We can hear your stories after we get through interviewing Susan. We'd really like to hear from some people out there. 1-800-808-5548. We can also pray for you on the air. And there's never too much prayer. We always could have more prayer right. in our life. So how did you? how did this affect you personally and how you related to your husband at this point? Well, I became a very jumpy person for a while, and then I became, I'm one of those people that I stuff my feelings, so I just stuffed a lot, but I was very, very, very mistrustful of everybody. I I really was. I just was not easygoing in the same way, and I recognized that I had changed, that I was just very, very cautious around people. Um, once my ex and I did finally split up and, you know, I got back into the dating world, that was pretty awful. You know, how do you know who you can trust? And and I was really lucky. I met a really, really good Christian man. Amen. You who, know, that's... Who that, helped me. That is a huge deal because, mm-hmm. 
the, the trust element to people that are mm-hmm. dealing with people that are in addiction, whether it's dad promised he was going to come home tonight and take us uh, to the movies and instead he goes, you know, he's still at the bar and he didn't come home yeah. or whether or not it's uh, one thing that we don't talk about much in our society. But with men, there's the issue of sex addiction and, and how women mm-hmm. react to that and their trust has been mm-hmm. violated. And so there is this long term impact uh, that that people suffer even when they're out of the relationship that, that that's over or they grow up and they're out of the household that they're left with. Uh, so yeah. that's why there's a group called, for example, Adult Children of Alcoholics, mm-hmm. which is uh, a group that's primarily, yeah. I guess, for people that grew up in alcoholic uh, households because that's the most common. But it's also for anybody that grew up in an abusive background. So mm-hmm. uh, you you sounds like you got you hit the lottery when you met your current husband because he was able to not only mm-hmm. to save you, amen. So you really hit the lottery, but he was also able to to counsel you and love you and treat you in a, a way that you deserved. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really did. I think the key word is to lead you, because remember what the Bible says. Yes, that the man is the head of the house doesn't mean he's the head of the house. It means that you know he he's the one that receives from God and he's supposed to. Give the example to his family, to his wife and his children on how God wants him to live. Because he's supposed to love his wife as Christ as loved the Christ church. As Christ loved the church. Yeah, and what a, com- right. what a, what a command. That's a- and the woman is supposed to submit to him as he That's submits right. to the Lord. It submits to the Lord. So- and the other side of it is just when, when you know that your husband has your back right. unequivocally and he's just there and that's your rock, that is a... That's just a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Amen. It it really is. I mean that that allows you to relax, and then once you start relaxing into that, then you can start relaxing into God. Mm-hmm. And that's what it took for me to be able to really trust God. You know, I was raised in the Jewish faith, and and we know God. We know He's there, but it's not. It wasn't in, for me, at least. It wasn't an intimate relationship like it is now. It's yeah. It's, it's, well, and that's part. It's not as personal. Well, I often say that I yeah. wish I had known the secret to get uh, to get inside any uh, in any way with a woman is first to dive into her soul. You know, I wish mm-hmm. I had known that thirty years ago. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. <laughs> I wish I had known a lot of things 30 years ago. So anyway, one one thing that I know that we touched about is, well, a couple more things. Um, you know, I had a debate with somebody that was just wrong the other day. They have the right to be wrong, but in any event, about the genetic component to addiction, because it has been proven beyond, a, you know, and I came back with a Harvard Medical School article against a guy, and I was like, you really? You really want to debate this? But it has been proven beyond a doubt that it doesn't mean you have to become an addict. I, I became an addict. My sister didn't. Uh, but that there's a genetic component to it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you talked about how people grow up and, and some people fall away from the party scene. You didn't have that genetic component in your background, and, mm-hmm. and, and you got responsibility at an early age and went on. How about your ex-husband? What, what kind of background did he come from? Well, interestingly enough, he came from uh, he came from a well-to-do family, um, and his uh, siblings. He had three other siblings, and then it was his mom and dad. And mom was addicted; dad was not. And the way dad handled it was that sort of, you know, the old-fashioned way where, well, mother's having her night tonight. You know, that was how they would describe it. They would. It was sort of the third party recognition of it, but they never, they never, ever, ever, ever addressed it. And so I think for that reason, when I addressed it with my husband, because I'm pretty direct, you guys know me, um, I don't really have a problem with that. 
even though I did back then, it really took me a lot to say something to him. But then when I did, he was so shocked that I said it because nobody in their family said it. Mm-hmm. So they knew that the whole family knew about him. Right. And when we divorced, then they came back to me. Well, we know, you know, he had some problems and we know what they were and we understand. We were, we were wondering how long it would take. And, but nobody said anything. Yeah. Nobody tried to help me. And that's, uh, you know, really w- one of the things that happens in alcoholic or addicted households mm-hmm. is it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about because it's yeah. uncomfortable. And you become codependent in that you're just trying to please this person and, you, you know, you end up enabling them and, rather than helping them. You know, there's instances where yeah. people pay bills and get people out of trouble yeah. and continually get them out of jail. You know, because there's a severe economic impact to stability. So you had had, you and I visited this afternoon, and you had had some experience with another close person in your life before your husband with addiction. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, somebody that I grew up with and that I went to school with, we were best, best, best friends. We met um, out on the West Coast where I was raised. It's junior high, but here it's middle school. We met in middle school. We met in the seventh grade, and we were like, tight, tight friends from day one. And that person, unfortunately, went on to um, marry somebody who was a bona fide drug dealer and got caught up in that lifestyle. And, and, you know, again, we were young, we were partying. Nobody really recognized it for what it was. And um, she got very, very caught up in it and to the point where she actually spent some time in prison. And our entire friendship suffered as a result of it. I mean, even back then, they used to call me the narc when I was growing up because, and I got that name at another one of the radio stations that I worked at because I'm just, I'm not a party person. I mean, I have other issues, but I am not a party person. And narc so, is a better word than stick in the mud. That's what we would have called you in New York. You're stick in the mud. <laughs> well. Yeah, but you know what it's like when you're younger, Tony, and, and you know, you, you want all your friends to like you and you right. want your coworkers to like you. I was just yeah, thinking. Peer pressure is such a necessary ingredient to yeah. uh, addiction. It's ridiculous. Well, listen, Susan, yeah. we're going to have to go to break here in about 45 all seconds. Right. So if you could just stand cool. by. And uh, John? Yeah, we'll, we'll have some This more. goes too fast, man. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> You're lobbying me for more time, aren't you, brother? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to you in, in just a minute, Susan, because I want right, to I, I talk some more about this peer pressure thing, because, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. that is huge, because it starts out fun, and we're all having mm-hmm. fun, and, and we're trying to be cool, and then it turns into something else. Yeah. Recovery yeah. Radio Houston coming to you live the second 30 minutes in about three minutes. Stand by. Stay with us.
You are not hidden. You're back with uh, Recovery Radio Houston, and we are talking today about collateral damage, which is the damage that people that live with and that work with and that are friends with and that love people that are suffering from addiction, it's the damage that they suffer. So it's estimated in the United States that over 100 million people are currently suffering from collateral damage because either they're living with an addict, working with an addict, or they're close friends with somebody they care about and love. Um, and so we're, we're talking about the, the phenomena of collateral damage because it's widespread and it's a real concern. And we want you to know out there, if, if you're listening, that there is hope. There is hope, and that hope resides in, in Jesus Christ and, and in faith-based recovery. And uh, there's help out there if, if people want to get it. And all they have to do is be open to it. God will always be there with open arms. And so we hope that uh, you'll come to the Lord. But you can call us, and you can uh, we're, we're interviewing Susan Simon, and you can, you can call us, and, and you can join the conversation at 1-800-808-5548. That's 1-800-808-5548. Call us and uh, ask us, uh, tell us about your story or, or ask us a question, ask Susan a question, or uh, just ask for prayer because we all need more prayer in our lives. Let's get Susan back on the on the air. Susan, are you there? I am here. Okay. I read my monitor wrong. So, all right. Well, to summarize for people that are just tuning in, Susan's been telling about her experience uh, in her first marriage. Uh, when she was married to an addict who, like so many of us that are under the bondage of addiction, uh, was in denial. And uh, did, let me ask you something, Susan, because mm-hmm. there's another hallmark of uh, addiction. Did you see his addiction getting progressively worse? Yes, I didn't recognize it at the time. Um, and then we had a crisis moment, which I'll I'll share parts of it. Um, and yes. But it took a while. Yeah, it does. And we were talking before the break about how when we're young and, you know, we don't see anything wrong with it. Everybody's doing it. We're partying. Mm -hmm. And and most people can put that down and go on to other areas of life. Although some people, you know, doing alcohol and drugs is very dangerous. Some people die of overdoses at a young age. Some people have wrecks and kill people. So I'm not I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just talking about reality. And that is mm-hmm. that, that uh, and then some people have uh, this little part of our brain which makes us predisposed towards addiction, and we can't stop, and we fool ourselves, and we think we can. And, and then when people come to us, just as you told us in your story, uh, Susan, when people come to us and, and start questioning it, we react with anger. We react with denial. We react with justification. All right. Well, you yep. just you just mentioned something. You had a, a crisis that, that happened? Yeah, we had a crisis. There was, uh, there was a medical emergency that happened. And the medical emergency happened in a chiropractor's office. And so basically, um, my husband had a stroke at the chiropractor's office and uh, which it was devastating. Um, it happened on the third of July. It was, it was, it was a really rough, 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 rough. Just like Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo's testimony is the same thing. So when the chiropractor cracked his neck, he, yeah, he stroked out like three times on the way home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to the so, chiropractor anymore. That's it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, it can be. Um, we, we I used to love my chiropractor. Well, we don't want to talk bad about it. So, <laughs> so, but was it the chiropractor or was it something else well, that caused the stroke? You know, this is when something like that happens to you. You tend to blame the chiropractor, and so sure. that's that's what we were doing. And so, um, my husband decided 
he wanted to, you know, file a suit, uh, a malpractice suit. And so the chiropractor defended himself and my husband's drug use was brought into the picture as part of it because um, they were able to make a case that the heavy drug use and the drinking and all of that could have been the contributing factor to the stroke. It may ne- not necessarily have been the adjustment and they won. Yeah. So he kind of exposed himself. Well, you know, that's something that our audience yeah. needs to understand from b- both perspe- perspectives. If you're using drugs, you are vulnerable. If you have a wreck, you are going to get blamed. If uh, mm-hmm. if something bad happens in your life yeah. uh, where, where it might be some other cause, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's going to get blamed. You're going to get arrested. You're going to... Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have some problems. You're gonna you know, and then from the other side, if you're in a relationship with and you're uh, suffering this collateral damage, you don't have to put up with it. Don't get in the car with them if they're drinking too much. Don't don't they don't you don't have to have somebody doing illegal drugs in your house. You know you don't have to enable them by rescuing them from all their problems. You know you need to seek help and you need to insist that they seek help immediately if if yeah. drugs and alcohol start well, to, to interfere with their lives. I'm here to tell you until i was made to face my own self uh, i was never going to change as long as i had a soft place to land you know i i had to be uh cast out <laughs> to be able to go face myself first yeah we're uh so uh, okay i'm listening to you guys you know what i just realized the, the mistake that i made i got really mad at my husband. I thought he was being a jerk and he was being awful and he was treating me poorly and all of those things I could have made a case for. But really, who I was mad at was myself mm. for putting up with it because I put up with it. I've heard that before from people that, you know, mm-hmm. why, why, did I, why did I do this to myself when I should have realized that it wasn't me? Yeah, well, you, you know, that I was a victim. Well, there's another thing that comes into the picture, and that's called codependency, because yes, we want our loved much. ones, we want their positive reactions, we want to have good, and so we start overcompensating. Codependency yeah. is a behavioral condition in a relationship yeah. where one person enables another person's addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement. Among the core characteristics of codependency is an excessive reliance on other people for approval and a sense of identity. And we get trapped in these these mm-hmm. relationships. You know, we got a call mm-hmm. uh, right now from uh, a friend of the show, Terry Carter, and uh, let's let's join Terry to this conversation. Hey, awesome. Terry. Terry, how are you? Hey, great. How y'all doing tonight? Well, you're on. Hi, Terry. And Susan's on, and, Hi, Susan. and you two know each other. And I had no we idea do. that we even had this capability. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> I know it's modern. It's modern. <laughs> so. It's amazing where we make friends. Isn't it? It's a great I feel like I'm having a way. Zoom meeting. Yeah, no kidding. So, Terry, <laughs> uh, let's get to it. You wanted to talk about peer pressure and collateral damage. What's your input on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I love the topic that you're on tonight. Um, with our daughter, she had drug issues when she was a teenager and has been sober for nine years now. But Praise as she was getting into that, we experienced two things. Number one, we pulled her out of the high school that she was in mm. and put her into what we thought was a clean environment at another high school out in West Houston. And it was public school district. And what we found was as she got to this slightly more higher upscale uh, school is that she had more temptation and people mm-hmm. automatically recognized her habits yep. and said, hey, you need to come to our party and drug, you know, use drugs with us. Yeah. And yeah. Better, and better school, better drugs. Isn't that something? That I mean, it's like I'm a, sorry? People with more money have better drugs. 
Yeah, or, or yeah. worse drugs. Worse yeah. drugs. So, Terry, uh, but you found another solution, didn't you, for, for, for your situation in the school? And people need to know about this. What, what did y'all find? Well, I'll tell you, there were a couple of things. I, I felt many times in my life that I've had an angel step in front of me and kind of help me out. His name is and Jesus. And with our daughter, <laughs> we had one of the top uh, law enforcement people in our area tell me a story about his own child and had how he tried to, you know, be there and monitor everything that was going on in their world. And he had to step out of the way and let professionals do the intervention. And he said, look, you can't sit outside your daughter's window every night and wait for her to climb out the window or for a friend to drive by and pick her up. Mm-hmm. You need to get some professional help on this. So we did. And after she'd been sober for 30 days on in an inpatient facility, the park, um, she got involved in some, a program where we had as much counseling and kind of, you know, casual therapy between the parents while the kids were meeting with, you know, the counselors, the parents would be sitting there sharing stories with each other. And I discovered, you know, two things in that, in that process of a couple of years. One was Houston is the best place in the world for recovery because Amen. everybody's involved. Mm. And in those particular groups for the young kids, those parents mm. are sharing stories because they've been where you are at the time if you're a new parent in this equation. You, know, you have no idea. You know, that that kind of reminds me how the big book, that kind of reminds me how the big book says that uh, part of the, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, but part of the um, the process of one alcoholic relating to the other is that they can gain each other's trust in usually just a couple of hours. Because of that, they tell, mm-hmm. they say exactly where they're at, and then the other person hears and remembers when they were at that point. So it works the same with the victims and the collateral damage that we're talking about with the relatives. You know, they, they have groups like Al-Anon. Where you know people Absolutely. affected by you know yeah and uh, well you know Terry that's interesting that you bring this up because we've been looking at this from the opposite we've been looking at it from the child who's suffering mm-hmm. a parent but these days we've got so many of our kids that are addicted to opioids and yeah. pills and things like that and so the parents are suffering the collateral damage and so we actually have sober high schools in in Houston which is amazing Terry is that right yeah we do we've got at a minimum of two that are phenomenal. And our daughter went to Archway Academy, which is probably the top school in the nation. And they have had people come from around the country to kind of shadow the executive director and go into the classrooms and learn how they teach in there. It's so interactive compared to a regular school. And it's amazingly effective, uh, kind of through the grace of God. I mean, I don't think that they are particular tied into a particular religion, but there's definitely hope and and faith is is spoke about there well you know those kids have ltdc counselors to go talk to at any time during the day Mm -hmm. when they need them the Bible tells us that uh, iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tony and I have a uh, work in a ministry called Break Every Chain that meets every Friday night at 7. We've been off for a while because of uh, the virus, but we actually met last night. And we find that people strengthen each other and people that are united in faith in the Lord and get together. You know, it's just like a marriage. When Christ is in your marriage, the bond can't be broken. A three-chord bro- is not easily broken. So that's wonderful that th- that, that level of support. Support. You, the kids are getting support with each other. The parents are getting support with each other. You got counselors. That's an amazing program, and that's a that's a program for success. And I, I just love hearing that. And that's what people need to know out there. There is hope. I don't care if you're using heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, alcohol, whatever it is. If you want help, there's help. people. God has will put people in your path to help you. You just got to be open to it and look for it. 
So, Terry, thanks for calling tonight. Uh, we loved our interview with you, and we'll get you on the air again soon. And, and we appreciate your input tonight. That was excellent. Thank you for calling. Oh, I appreciate it. You have a great night. All right, you Terry, too, my friend. Good night. Susan, any, any last thoughts? Um, yeah, actually, um, I, I want to share this because I think it's really important. Because when I look back at that time in my life, I wasn't saved. And I would say because of that, and I have always had a pretty good self-esteem, but I didn't have the self-esteem that I have now that I have Jesus and I have God in my life. Amen. And there's a huge difference in that. And it's not an esteem of, I'm really powerful and I can do this and Mm -hmm. I can do that. It's more of a quiet, I don't have to deal with this kind of stuff anymore. I'm good enough. I'm loved. He loves me. You are a child so of God. I'm, you are a child yeah. of God. You're made mer- wonderfully yeah. and perfectly in His image. So, like my original, like yeah. my sponsor, like my sponsor tells me, I had to rid myself of my self confidence and self reliance and develop my God yes. confidence and my God reliance. Amen. That's, exactly. That's that's, that's where oh, that's Tony, where that was so great. That's yes. where our pride should be that's centered. Big, that's exactly it. That's so I would say that that was the big thing that was missing, and I, if that's missing for somebody else, and if somebody is listening, and that's what's going on, man, come to church. Go to break every chain. Yeah, Do come to break something. every chain. Get, find find yeah. a faith based. Uh, group that you can get involved in that where there's no judgment there's just love yeah and we're just trying to help each other susan thank you thank you for joining us tonight we really appreciate it it was great having you on and we'll do do it again all right god bless you and tell tell derek we're fans of his now too just listen about him from you you (laughs) talk to you soon all right we've had a call holding now for a little while and and we want to get mrs groves into the program Ms. Groves, how are you tonight? Okay, this is Mrs. Groves. How are you, Tony and John? Hello. We're doing wonderful. Um, I have um, um, a request for my husband. I got a letter. And he wanted me to ask you guys um, to pray uh, for some of the prisoners in prison that are misusing me- their medications. But he said that he, um, he knows you know, a lot of them that listen to your program. And um, he says that, um, you know, that, he knows that they would be perfect candidates for recovery, and he wants to know if it was even possible for them to be accepted coming out of prison. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're certainly welcome to walk into Break Every Chain the day they get out, and we've had many people that walk into Break Every Chain exactly that. We had somebody that was an hour out of prison uh, not too long ago that came in, and so they're oh. more than welcome, and we'll love on them. And, and you, know, you know the thing about it is is that people think, we're just there to help. They're there to help us. Yeah. Because when we give back, that's when we 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 have an opportunity to. We're called to be Christ-like. And the yes, way we that's do, the best feeling ever. Well, our yeah. our ability to give back comes from seeing where we were, because yeah. we've walked the we walked the road. And we we we've taken Jesus's hand, so it's a chain effect. So we want to grab onto them so that He can lead us all. Amen, Tony. Very well said. So, yeah, I mean, so they're helping us when they come in and, you know, just seeing the transformation that Jesus Christ can perform in somebody's life as they walk that road is just just it's, it's, it just gives our heart joy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know that feeling I used to serve um, in here in Longview, Texas, they have a dream center and um, I we used to feed the homeless and the needy and it's a good feeling well you know christ that yeah i told my husband i missed that yeah christ said that he didn't come to be served he came to serve the son of man came to serve so thank you for calling and we're going to pray now for for your husband and for the other people in prison father god we just uh we lift up uh 
Miss Girl's husband, we, we lift up all the prisoners that are listening tonight. Father, we find that, that in jail is, is a wonderful place. Christ visited prisons. Christ loves every man and woman that can hear this, my voice right now. He loves the people that are there. It is an opportunity to spend time with him, to learn your Bible, to get involved in Christian fellowship. And we want to pray for, for safety and protection. We want to pray that, 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 that you send a hedge of protection angels to protect these men and women that are in prison from the COVID virus. We want to pray against this spirit that's causing them to misuse drugs and to traffic in drugs. And that's, that's, that's from the enemy, Father God. And we, 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 we rebuke that spirit. And, and we ask that, that your spirit of love and guidance come into their hearts and, and Father, that they know that they are loved, no matter what they've done, no matter what they've done, what got them there, that when they accept Jesus Christ in their lives, they can be a new creation in Christ. The Bible promises that, and there are no no truer words have ever been written, and because those words are from God. And so God's promises are yes and amen. And if you're listening to my voice, then accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Tell him that you know that that you, he died for the cross on you for you, and that you repent of your sins. That you ask him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, and you will be born again. You will be a new creation in Christ, and your life will never be the same. So we 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 lift these men and women up, Father God, and we just ask for the, your protection and your guidance in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I know you're listening, sweetheart. Um, I love you and I miss you. It's been about a month and a half, well, a month and a week now that we haven't been able to speak, but I enjoy your letters when I get them. But thank you guys. You guys keep writing and keep reaching up to your letters. All you guys there in jail, uh, when you open up your Bible, invite somebody to read it with you. Amen. Start a Bible study. Start a Bible study. Well, thank you for calling. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll keep praying for your husband and all the people in prison. So, Tony. um, Good night, Mrs. Groves. Good night. Good night. Tony, um, well, there was a lot in that interview, and, you know, We've both been through it, so I, you said something early on, and then I want to share a few things. You said something about how you felt you're, you'd lost your wife to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we, we, we met in a bar. Yeah. You know, we, we went out every night that we could and, and went dancing and all that stuff that you do when you're younger. And when, uh, when that went away, you know, when life started happening and children and responsibilities and moving here and the adjustments to that, I, I really did think that, you know, my wife was going to church all of a sudden and my wife was, you know, meeting with church people. And I was kind of like, what's going on here? I lost my little party girl. My wife left me for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I actually used to say that to my friends. But well, she couldn't have left you for a better man. <laughs> I, <laughs> I couldn't compete. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I wanted to say something really quick and then, sure. and then I'll hand back to you. Your phone's about to die, by the way. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, the, the, this corona thingamajiggy that we're dealing with here, it's got nothing on the pandemic that we deal with every day with recovery. Oh, that's a good point. You yeah. know, I mean, and, and we have a vaccine. We have a way out. Yeah. You know, and everybody knows that when this uh, when they develop a vaccine for this coronavirus, that life is going to shoot back up to normal. The economy is going to take off again. We We know that's coming, but we also know and we have to be able to show that the victims of the pandemic of addiction, especially the opioid thing we're in now with our young people and the pandemic of pornography and the pandemic of alcohol and 
and just overall living in sinful ways. Um, we have a vaccine available, and it's free. Yeah. And you don't need insurance. That's wonderful. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. You know? You know, that's that's, that's so true, Tony. I mean, you got to preach that one day. you got to preach. I don't have a pulpit. You have a pulpit. you got to <laughs> preach that. you got to biblically research that, and that, that'll preach. Nobody that, out there steal that. You understand me? Any pastors listening, don't steal that. You know, I'll preach that in June, you know, because yeah. we're going to be back in our church. Let me put in a little plug. We, we, we started a church back in March, and we had three services, and then... Uh, in the uh, Corona hit, but uh, we're at 240 West 18th Street, and we're New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. But our tagline, so to speak, is we are a recovery church yeah. because the Bible is a book about recovery, and uh, we we are there to love people, not to judge people. We want anybody and everybody to come in. It's at 240 West 18th Street. We're leasing space from the Heights Presbyterian Church there. We meet at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings, and we'll be back in the church in June. In the meantime, you can catch us on Facebook Live at, at uh, every every evening at 6 o'clock. We're actually live. We don't pre-record. Every Sunday evening. Every Not every evening. Not every evening. Very good. Thank you. Good catch. Every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. It's called New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. We've got a Facebook page, and I'll be preaching there tomorrow night on Mother's Day. Again, happy Mother's Day to everybody. Uh, You know, this is a tough time for me, Tony, because um, I grew up in a household uh, where my mom was a a, a really bad alcoholic. And, uh, you know, she died uh, of liver failure uh, at 61. And, um, you know, after eight attempts at rehab, but, you know, I told you the other day, I, my sister found some notes of hers, uh, when she was going through recovery and it mentioned the steps and it mentioned, uh, uh, her powerlessness, but it never mentioned God. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, that was the missing ingredient and, and she never found, I wish you talk about going back 30 years. I wish that I knew now what I knew that I knew then what I know now, because I really feel like I could have helped her uh, because she was, she had a loving heart, but you know, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Susan talked about was, and you know, finally in my marriage and finally in your marriage, uh, it, it came about, but uh, in, in my house growing up, it was the, the, you know, two ton elephant in the middle of the room. We tended to ignore it, sleep, sweep it under the, the, the you know, tried to get away from it when we could and, and denial, no, denial. Well, we didn't address it. And it's hard when you're a kid and it's your mom, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? And my parents drifted apart. My dad stopped drinking and stopped the party life, just like what we talked about here yeah. and they divorced. And so, um, you know, it's very difficult. So our heart goes out to those people with collateral damage, and we hope you, that you'll continue to listen to the program and that, that you'll join us because, as Tony said, and I thought that was really cool what you just said, Tony, about the pandemic of addiction because it will be here past the corona. It'll be here no matter when the flu comes or any anything else. It's really going to ramp up in the tribulations. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it, it's there, and it's always there, and it's not going yeah. away, and, it, and the enemy's there, and there is a vaccine. There and is his a His name vaccine. is Jesus Christ. One-shot working vaccine. Yeah, and, and yeah. you, you got to work at it. You've got to want it. It's not easy to put down the drugs and the alcohol. And uh, But for those people, we've devoted this show to collateral damage to the unseen victims out there. There is help. And, you know, you can email us at uh, recoveryradiohouston uh, at outlook.com, and uh, we, you, we can uh, 
we can do our best to, to give you some answers and to send you one that can solve any problem, and his name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. But we can talk about practical steps about getting sober. That's one thing, you know, our guest last week talked about, Tony. People aren't always open to Jesus when they're in the middle of the bottle. And when they're, and so there's nothing wrong with going through rehab and going through 12 steps right. because it's a spiritual journey, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, that's what I did. I mean, I needed that secular reality. Hey, before we run out of time, Let's uh, pump the podcast up a little bit. If you want to listen to past episodes of this show, which is a fun thing to do and it's free, just download the Google Podcast app and you can search for Recovery Radio Houston Podcast or also on the KKHT website under programs, go to podcasts and look for Recovery Radio Houston. Um, you can, and we'll be back uh, next next Saturday night at 9 o'clock. Yeah. We're here every Saturday night at 9 every o'clock. Saturday. Hey, we love you out there, but more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly understand. And more Join than us. we ever could. So. Yeah, amen. amen. Have a good weekend, good guys. Show, Happy, Mother's Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day.